0: Pencils down, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton.
1: Welcome, future leaders of Cowboys footballology to yet another edition of the Star Seminar, your graduate class in all things Cowboys football. What's that? What's that I smell? What's that I smell? <gasps> Do I smell cut grass? Do I hear the pounding of cleaves on on turf? I think I do. My friend, I believe that training camp is nigh. Who am I speaking to? Indeed, I'm speaking to my podcast partner, the great eminent cowboysologist, the internationally renowned Dr. Danny Phantom. I, as always, am Dr. Rabble Rouser. How are you, sir? And are you just a quiver with excitement?
2: I am. I am. I mean, a quiver or a something. I don't know. I've been so... Excited about this, and I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've made some progress in getting some of my ducks in a row. You know, I'm all booked for Oxnard on ball, books for our Disneyland trip. I'm taking with with my family while I'm down there. So I mean, everything is all falling falling together. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. It's starting to a little bit of a. There's still more work to, to be done between now and when we head out, but I'm definitely, you know, able to relax a little bit. And in fact, this week I kind of been just uh, able to unwind, and I've been watching the online stream of the world series of poker and it just kind of just put it on, just watch it. And I, I find that very satisfying. It's kind of like almost like rainfall to me, you know? So I, am I, I enjoy poker. It's one of the hobbies I used to have when I was a little younger and stuff. And in fact, you know, sometimes when I'm watching that, I just start to think of like, you know, what would I do in this situation? And, and sometimes I think like if I had it to do all over again, maybe I would choose, that t- that line of work, maybe I would commit to to that type of um, of of career because you know it's I'm, I'm a very math science not number's guy. You know I, I enjoy the strategy involved with that too. So I don't know, it's it's kind of fun. It, it made me kind of go back and think. You know, if, you know if I had to do it over again, what would I do? I wanted to ask you, Rabs. So if you were given that that opportunity to just kind of rewind, you know, and you could choose a different career path, you know what what would is there something that, you know, that, you know, tickles your fancy that you would like to to dabble in?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. I think that the most uh, readily I've I'd undergraduate I'd undergrad for a couple of years and um, I decided I want to go to grad school. And I went to I applied to both the grad schools. But thing is, like the programs that I was applying to oftentimes only took a couple of people. So they were really small. I had no idea whether I was competitive or not. So I also applied to law schools. Ended up getting into PhD programs and law schools, and kind of had to choose between the two. Um, I ended up, cho- you know, choosing a PhD program, but I always sort of wonder what would have happened if I if I had chosen uh, a, 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 to go to law school. I'm not sure that I would have been an attorney, but I wonder, like, could I have parlayed the, you know, a, a, a law degree into something where I was, you know, brokering deals or doing something fun like that in the entertainment industry or something? Hmm. Like that. I'm not sure, um, but th- that's that's the that's the main sort of path not chosen that I do wonder about from time to time.
2: So would you, am I hearing you correctly? Would you enjoy being like an agent? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I
1: I thought, I don't, I'm not sure I want to be an an attorney, but I thought, you know, I could parlay that degree or maybe be an attorney for a while and then parlay that degree into something else where having a legal background could be really advantageous. Well,
2: maybe you could be Zach Martin's agent, you know, as he's trying to, you know,
1: work out a new deal. I would be very happy to be Zach Martin's agent, considering they get about 10%. He's probably going to get a multi million dollar deal. I would like that very much. Yeah. Speaking of liking very much, uh, I would like to know what is on the docket today because I think our listeners are going to like it
2: very much. I hope so. I mean, so as if for those that have been listening to us every week, and, you know, we're grateful for that, you know, we have been running down every position group of the Cowboys and just, Talking about the things we feel good about, you know, the things that, little, that worry us a little bit. And we are coming to a conclusion with the secondary. So I have put a game together for you, Rabs. Um, Ooh. So I'm exciting. I'm excited to to get to that.
1: And you know, you know how much I love a game, so I can't wait to get to it. But I tell you what, before we do, I, I do have a question that I'd, I'd like to ask you, run by you, because it's something I was thinking about a little bit this week. I don't want to tell you why I was thinking about it because it might it might give away what I'm why I was doing this. But I would love to hear from you. What single game in Cowboys history, or games in Cowboys history, do you think? Were really really good coaching jobs, like where you're like that game was the Cowboys won because, or or, or that was that was an example of a terrific job by the head coach.
2: Oh, what a fantastic question that is, because I mean you're really asking me to, to jog my memory to try to come up with, uh, who there you know there are there there's a lot of them where I I can remember feeling really good about. The, about the coaching, and some that, you know, not so much. Not so much, yeah. To, uh, but I'll tell you what, in, in, as you know, and, and any people that follow me on Twitter pr- all know as well, I, I'm i a big Jason Garrett fan, so, I mean, I can think back to a handful of games where I was very, I thought he did a, a really fantastic job. I know people remember the things that didn't work out in the clock management here, or quote-unquote, icing the kicker here, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are a lot of Times where he really showed himself as a as a good coach, and uh, so my my pick's going to be from the Garrett era. But you know, ah, I know there's there's a couple that jump out at me. Uh, you know, real quick, an honorable mention. I think the Philadelphia game. It was Prescott's first year. Uh, I can't remember the Cowboys' record. they were playing the Eagles, and um, I they were down. It seemed like the offense really couldn't get things going. Mm-hmm. And I remember a, a really. Uh, uh, clever uh, in their own territory, uh, fake punt they pulled off when when Chris Jones you know scampered down the left side for a big game. Uh, so I think that was uh, that 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 was I think it was very smart, well timed there. And also I remember the Cowboys when they were going down when they tied it. I think and they're going down for, and it was an overtime, and you know Garrett went for it on fourth down. You know they're like no, they're they're going for the win. They could they could kick and then you see what philly could do but no they just uh, went yep. for the went, went for the jugular there and of course it was uh he found um prescott found witten in the end zone and so that that's one that stands out but i think one of the biggest ones where it's like really like this guy's a good coach was the 2014 seattle game and where they went into Love seattle went into seattle and you know they were coming off I don't know that they're already having a good season, but this was going to be like the litmus test for them. Like how good is this football team? And uh, you know what? They couldn't get out of their own way that game. I mean, there was like, you know, Dwayne Harris missed a punt, you know, dropped a, uh, muffed a punt. Then they had a punt blocked, you know, or that I think that happened during the Cowboys kept getting holes. I think there was even a snap that went off Romo's leg or something. It's like all Seattle's points were like just given to them, but, uh, the Cowboys just kept battling and, you know, they they didn't panic at all. They were just as cool as the other side of the pillow. They just stuck with the running game. They just kept on wearing them down. It just seemed like they Garrett just seemed so calm and it almost like they just never had a doubt. And the Cowboys just eventually just wore Seattle down to where, um, you know, they, and they come away with a win and it was, it was a, a really good defining moment. Like we are a good football team and, um, and I thought Garrett, you know, he, he had his team ready to go in a, in a really hostile, a tough place to win in the NFL. Too. Very tough. So place. those, yeah. those are the ones that stand out to me. What about you?
1: I love that second one you picked up, because I think the other thing that is, it seems to me to be characteristic of a good coaching job is you go in, you're the underdog, you're not expected to win, right? The odds are set against you, you know, I mean. One of the reasons why it's hard to say that for a lot of Landry and, and Jimmy Johnson coach teams is because they were always so much better than everybody else. You know, how's that a good coaching job? You're expected to win by 20, you won by 22. Okay, great. Where so I think the the one in Seattle is great because we forget they were the defending Super Bowl champions and they had obliterated everybody in that playoff run and shown the whole world in the Super Bowl against Denver that they were, you know, the team and they were young and hungry and cocky and and you like you said that we were in Seattle and the the 12th man in Seattle was going just going absolutely berserk. So, I think the couple the couple that I've I'm, I'm going to choose one Garrett and one uh, Jimmy Johnson and both of them are, are games where we went into the game thinking we didn't have much of a chance because of different kinds of circumstances. The first one from 2012 was the Jason Garrett job to write the ship after the Josh Brent and Jerry Brown oh, right. car crash that killed Jerry Brown. Just devastated the the team. Um, you know, it happened the week of the game and Garrett got that team together and sort of, you know, got a, got an emotionally broken team to play really well on the road in Cleveland against, it's hard, it's hard to imagine, a better, like the Browns were a better team. Like the, at that particular time, that was like one of the weakest Cowboys teams in the last 15 years. And uh, the Browns were a, a better team, had much better uh, personnel on both lines, and yet they eked out they were behind 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 big play to des bryant got him close got a field goal won the game and pulled it out it's really really the team dug deep when they didn't have a a lot of emotional reservoir but the number one in in my book is the 1991 game where the cowboys uh you know who who had just hired north tournament turner that year that was really the turnaround year but and they started off like five and two and then they lost like three straight games they they had a couple a couple games where they were they, they They had tough breaks against Houston and against the Giants. They could have won those games otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then they had the misfortune of going on the road against the undefeated and eventual Super Bowl champion Washington team. And this is the game where Johnson famously said, if you're going to take on a big gorilla, you've got to hit them with everything you got. Mm -hmm. And they, in fact hit them with everything they got. They went for it on fourth down multiple times. They, uh, they uh, did an onside kick. Um, you know, if you remember, that's the game where Troy Aikman got injured and Steve Berline had to come in. And they didn't, they didn't, you know, play it close to the best. They kept passing. And, you know, the Berline ended up hitting Michael Irvin for the sort of game clincher. And they actually really, like, they stunned Washington, outplayed Washington in Washington. Uh, the Washington team... Uh, Got an early score on a Martin Mayhew interception return and then didn't score again until late when they got some garbage time uh, touchdowns. And so it was just a great performance by a team that was good, but you know, they weren't great until another, another year. But I think that was the that was really the turnaround point where that was, I think the, the moment where that Jimmy Johnson team said, okay, we can be, we can play with anybody. And, and sure enough, they went on a playoff run and the next year, they made history.
2: Yeah, great choice, Rabs, for sure. I, on you know, just speaking on those two. I mean, I you know, you say what you want about Garrett, but I don't think you. I think the Cowboys had the perfect coach for that situation. So I was, I think that's a great choice. And of course, you know, Jimmy. It took us a little bit to warm up to it. I mean, obviously, we had a really tough, um, tough start. You know, to his coaching tenure, and and nobody likes to see a legend like Landry let go like that. So it, you know, it took a little bit. And uh, but I t- I. Feel like I could remember that moment, like ah, oh, I think he's good. I think he's mm-hmm. good, and uh, so uh, excellent choice, Rabs.
1: Speaking of excellent choices, I I'm very much looking for- forward to your excellent choice of game. So let's get into it, shall we?
2: Yes, let's do that. All right, Rabs. So to finish off this position group breakdown that we've been working on the last month and a half, uh we're going to talk about the secondary today. So, Love it. You know the Cowboys; they have a, I think, one of the stronger secondaries they've had in quite some time, to be quite honest. And, uh, but you know what? I want to try to get a sense of just how good this group is. So, in a little bit, we're gonna play a game, and so we're gonna draw some comparisons. But before we get started, I just had some general questions for you. Just, so I want, uh-huh. so I want you to try to help answer these questions I have about these position groups, starting with the cornerback. Just a simple true or false question okay answer me this trayvon diggs and stefan gilmore will be a top three cornerback duo in the nfl that's true really
1: i think so i mean who uh, who else is there who are we who else are we looking at that that that's up there that would push them out
2: Uh, let's see uh the, the dolphin guys yeah yeah they're solid solid
1: I, I think I think so. Here's, I mean, I think you can I think you can name a couple other teams that have comparable cor- corner groups, and you know, and, and I think you know we have to say that this is all the the caveat here is is Stephon Gilmore's right. age and the fact yes. that he could fall off. Right, I mean that's so. Let's assume that he's going to have a year roughly equitable to the year he had last year in Indianapolis, where he was actually quite good. He was really good against the Cowboys. I, I, there's a couple of things I think uh, that make this a good group, right? One is, of course, that they're going to be benefited. They're going to benefit again and again and again from the fact that the Cowboys have probably, if not the the league's best pass rush, the second best pass rush in the league. So they're not going to have to cover for a long time most of the time. I also think that they have a really interesting combination of player types. Like you have one guy who's a sort of, Ball hawk, you have the other guys that are sort of physical wily veteran. It's just a really nice combination of, of of skills and um gives them an opportunity to mix and match and and you know they can they can they can find matchups they want. I uh, by they I mean the Cowboys uh defensive coaches. I just think there's a lot, there's a lot of really interesting. aspects that they both bring that, that that you know that when we look at the whole cornerback skill set that i i think it's going to be a really good group I the more i look at them and their play style the more i really like them playing together
2: yeah no i totally agree and i i do think that when you look at especially the t- the two that we just mentioned here you kind of i think there's there's a little bit of a a range of outcomes there that, where you could see i could see either one of them being better than the other uh, i don't think uh, I, some people would say well Diggs is he's the guy because He's the rising star guy. And, um, but then at the same time, it's, you know, Gilmore's so so smart, so savvy, fundamentally sound too. And then of course Stiggs too. We know, we've watched him enough to know that he does have some place where you know, it's not the sharpest. And so uh, he's a little bit more vulnerable at times. I, if you're going to say who's more disciplined, for sure it's going to be Stefan Gilmore. So, I mean, I, I couldn't even honestly plant my flag and say this guy is hands down the better of the two. Because I think that it kind of moves a little bit i think it could be i think they're pretty close to be quite honest it's at least that's how i feel I'll let you, unless you feel differently
1: i no i feel i feel i feel that they're very close in terms of overall quality although they're quite different in terms of the things that that they do really well
2: yeah okay so then i want you to give me your starting three cornerbacks obviously we know who two of them are but uh and, so give it me the starting three and then i want you to give me one next man up for both the outside um, corner spot and the slot corner spot, so five corners. I want you to give me.
1: So I'll give you those two. I, I think this I think it feels. I feel pretty secure in saying that Deron Bland is going to be the slot corner, and he's going to. Uh, you know, he's going to bring a physicality to that that I think his predecessor Jordan Lewis didn't bring. We saw some of that last year. We also saw some really, um, really enticing playmaking ability in terms of the backups. Uh, I think the backup. I think the backup in the interior this year is going to be Kelvin Joseph. I think they're, they're moving him inside. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the backup there. Again, it may be that they find a safety to to, to play that more, like we saw in the playoffs. It's possible that McQuamu is going to get a lot of snaps there. So I think the fact that Kelvin Joseph is the is the kind of quote unquote backup at at, at nickel corner doesn't really mean anything in terms of like his snap count or how much he's going to play. I, I, I don't. I don't. I just think he's probably the backup. Um, I think he'll squeak onto the roster though, because I think that there's, they need somebody there and he's probably the best candidate. And I think that I know it's weird, but I think Eric Scott Jr. is probably going to be the next man up outside. I, it seems like there's something about him. They just really like, Yeah, and I, I don't think that he's, you know, he was getting, as as we talked about, you know, when it was happening, he was getting run with the first team. And it wasn't like he needed to because all the other dudes were injured. They were just giving him first team reps because there's something about the kid that they like. And I, you know, maybe he's really great in meeting rooms. Maybe there's some. I don't know what it is, but I, you know, we'll find out when we're um, in our international, you know, meeting of, of cowboysologists in Oxnard, California, in, in the coming weeks Definitely. for our conference. But, uh, but I, I, if I had to, if I had to bet now before having seen any of that, then that that would be my next guy.
2: That's a good choice, and I'm certainly rooting for that. Uh, obviously, I mean, he's a new guy, and you know, we haven't. He doesn't have the um, blemishes that you look if you look at nation Wright and Kelvin mm-hmm. Joseph mm-hmm. have. So you don't necessarily know uh, really what the future holds with those two guys. So you're hoping that the new guy uh, shows out. But a uh, slot corner is a little bit different, and uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Kelvin Joseph as um, the guy there, and so that kind of brings me to. My bold prediction, and I've done this, mentioned this a couple times on Twitter already, but I don't think Jordan Lewis makes the fifty three man roster, and I want you to tell me am i am I silly, or do you agree with that prediction?
1: I agree so much that I don't even consider it bold oh, frankly. wow i I think it's almost a foregone conclusion i for so for a couple things one does he make does he, is he ever on the 53 at any point this year? I think that's a possibility. Is he on the 53 when they come out for week one? I think absolutely not. I think that they're going – I mean, I I think he's re- still recovering. I don't think he's going to do much in camp. I think that they're going to want to, you know, see the young guys. It, it, because of his injury, it's a really great opportunity for them to, to store – uh, an experienced vet who can play. We've seen him be a, a, a running back neutralizer. We've seen him actually. He's a good tackler for his size as a slot corner slash, you know, sort of safety linebacker type. You know, in nickel, um, and he's you know he's a decent slot corner. Not great, but decent. I, I don't think he, I don't think he's a player. DeRon Bland it can be, but he, he's decent. You know, that, those kind of guys don't grow on trees. I think that they'd be wise to try to stash him. And the the beauty is, he's got this injury. It's it's limited to him. He's imminently stashable, so I think they're going to stash him. I think there's almost no chance. I would say a one percent ch- chance he's on the roster at the beginning of the year. Is he on the roster in, on, in week twelve? I think there's a better chance. Hmm. So I, I think that. Um, but but that would require not that he not just that he get healthy, but that he get healthy and somebody else get injured or or crash and burn. Yeah, absolutely crash and burn.
2: I. Uh... I don't think that he will even be on the roster by the time the season starts. I think that wouldn't surprise me at all, dude. Would not surprise me at all. I think the big reason for at least how I feel is is first off, I mean, he's. I think his base salary is four million. If it's four mm-hmm. or four and a half, I can't remember. But I mean, which is a good chunk of change for a guy who is your at the very best your slot corner number two. And you already mentioned that you know he didn't even make your your slot corner number two. Uh, list earlier, and Mm -hmm. that also doesn't even take into account the possibility of Israel Buquamo being a slot corner guy too. So where does Lewis fit in all of that? I mean, so you're not going to want to pay that kind of money for a guy who you know, he's just way down there on the depth chart. So that's why I, to me, I don't think he makes the I know people love Jordan Lewis and he, you know, he he has his moments. He'll get a pick here and there. He'll make a big play. He's he's a very fiery player for sure, but um, I just yeah I don't think so. I just think he's done and you know and speaking of mcquama we're we'll just shift over into the mm, safety I... position now and so I want to ask you uh, the safety group with the Cowboys is very interesting because they're all they're different and they're all good players, but if you were to ask five people to rank them, you probably would get five different answers, and so I'm gonna ask one person you rank them Aww. and i want you to t- tell me who the best safety of this team is. and i want you to kind of lay them out in almost like a pff grade form give me like some grade like if you think they're a an 83 type level player so I, so i can really get some context of like how close you think these guys are
1: this is a tough one dude so the other ones i felt were pretty easy like i i you know I, I, as soon as you said the question, I had a, a ready answer. This one's a lot harder. I'm going to say that Malik Hooker is their best safety, and I think that's because for a couple reasons. One, I don't know that he uh, – they, they have anybody else who can play free safety, so there's something about the rareness of the skill set within the group. I, mean, I don't know if that makes you better, but it makes you it makes you more valuable, certainly. Um, but I also think he may be the best safety, the best all-around safety of, of the bunch. I think that the other two, uh, Donovan Wilson – J. Ron Kurse are both great, closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that they both are capable of making uh, electric plays in the short passing and in the running game. They're good. They're, they, they can be good tacklers. They could they, they both shown they can be good blitzers, and that's really exciting. Um, but I don't I don't know that they have the all-around gun and I, and game, and I, I certainly don't think they have the sort of full-field coverage skills that Millie Cooker has. I think Millie Cooker is a very underrated and very valuable member, so I'm going to rate him number one. I am actually going to rate Donovan Wilson number two. I think he's. So here's the thing. I think he's a more. High, I think he's a more variant player, he's a more high variant player, variance player than Jaron Jaron Curse is. But his highs are so electric. I think Jaron Curse is a is a is a nice player who has found a rebirth. He's a team leader. He's a tough guy. He's a smart guy. I think he's reached like, I think Dan Quinn has got squeezed about as much out of this orange as can be squeezed. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any more upside to that player. I think there may still be more upside to Donovan Wilson.
2: Okay.
1: Um, So I'm going to say hooker, Wilson
0: curse. (laughs)
2: just so I get a little bit of a feel, if you were try, if you're able to throw any any scores at this, just so I can see how close to yeah.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't. It's that's a tough one for me because I don't pay any
2: attention to PFF. Well, just I don't you know what, know just what do what a like a great grading scale. Yeah, so um, you, you do that right.
1: I mean, I yeah, I don't. I think I I think these guys are all like well above replacement level, and but but not. I don't think you can take any of them seriously for like all pro level. So I think they're probably all in the high seventies into the low eighties. So let's say Hooker's an eighty-three. Uh, Donovan Wilson's like a seventy-seven, and um, you know Curse is like a seventy-four.
2: Good, good, good scores. I, I really, I think your, I think your scores are perfect. Uh, in fact, I'll keep the same scores. For my list, but I will not keep the same players. Wow, not for the same
1: players. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I can't believe the disrespect of J. Ron cursed. Brad's, so, you know. First off, I totally agree that. I mean, there may be not much, you know, juice left out of, out of this, but I will tell you what, I'm I'm getting enough vitamin C uh, for, from what <laughs> he's giving me right there because fair enough. You know, he's a good player. I think that that guy, as far as if you look at consistency. Um, you know, I think, you know, you can count on him to, I think he gives you the strength both at the line of scrimmage and he's, he's also a better coverage guy to me in, in my opinion than Dono. Uh, I think that's right. So I think that's right. He, he gets my number one spot. It gets harder at, at, at the next one too, because I don't want to keep disrespecting, you know, Donovan Wilson. Cause I think he's, I think he's a good player and he's the highest paid player. Cowboys think a lot of them too. But I think that you mentioned the the variance too. With the he'll 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 make the splashiest of plays, but then he'll he'll make some really, you know, bad plays too. Some some over pursues and some just mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. of bad reads or bad angles or you know if he's sometimes if he's not playing downhill, he's a little bit lost and then it takes away his effectiveness. So I'm I'm gonna give Malik Hooker the the number two spot uh, because you know he is. You're right. He's he's the best free safety on the team. He he has extra value too. So I'm going to go that direction and then I'll just, I'll give, you know, I'll just continue to undervalue Dono and just let him keep proving me wrong. Cause I mean, all, all three of these guys are, are really good. So I'm, you know, I don't think you can go wrong. I'm just, I'm glad the Cowboys have them. I don't know what the future holds necessarily, but um, it's certainly a strong group for 2023. Um, so outside of the main three, you know, I want you to pick a sleeper safety. So I know, I know the obvious answer might be Israel Mukwamu because that's he's the next guy. But I want you to pick put – your, put yourself out there and I, I mm-hmm. want you to take – who are you taking as a potential surprise at the safety spot? Are you taking Israel Mukwamu or everyone else in the field? You, all the other choices out there. So it, it could be – I mean, where would you put your money on? On, on Mukwamu or – you know maybe or the field or
1: the field yeah well I think the only other guy in the field who I mean listen I liked Tyler Coyle a lot coming out of college I thought he was a really interesting player he's got great size he's got a lot of he's got a lot of athletic you know um, measurables and and, you know really positive metrics and things like that that made him seem like he might be uh, you know a a really interesting developmental prospect and I still like him I just not sure that He's. I mean, he hasn't shown much other than you know. I mean, I think he sort of worked his way onto special teams. Um, the guy who I think has the has the ability to give Mukwamu a run for his money here is a dude who really showed up last year in camp and then kind of faded a little bit. Made a couple of plays, but like he was really good in camp last year, and that's Marquise Bell. Mm-hmm. I, you know, both of these guys have have all the things that the Cowboys like, which incidentally is one thing that Jordan Lewis also doesn't have. Like they, it's very clear that Dan Quinn and his coaches like a certain physical profile for their defensive right, backs. Yes. And, and Jordan Lewis does not have that. He's a little dog with a lot of fight in him. They like guys, they like big dogs. And so Marquise Bell, he's a, obviously a We know he's, you know, he's tall, tall, long, long. Um But these guys have that sort of size and range and uh you know, the sort of like, wingspan, et cetera, to contest uh, you know, throws and, and sort of interrupt for throwing lanes that they really, really like. So I, right now what I'm going to do is – I'm to me, the field is Marquise Bell. And so what we're looking at is Israel Mokwamu versus Marquise Bell. We just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it with Bell yet. Uh, and because of what we saw at the end of last year with McQuamu, which I think a lot of us really thought was a revelation, we were like, oh – this is something we've been waiting for, for this cat for a long time. You know, we were hoping that's, that something like this might develop. And suddenly it not only did it develop, but it, it full, like it came in full flower. And I don't know if that's just one of those things where the dude had a great week at, when it mattered most, or if it's like, this was something that they discovered where he's going to be playing more of a kind of nickel corner than a, you know, sort of, you know, some sort of uh, safety slash special teams kind of, kind of role. So, I I need to see more, but I think if, if he can build on that, I mean, he's definitely, he's going to be replacing, uh, Calvin Joseph as my, as my backup nickel. And frankly, he might even give Deron Bland a run for his money because he played really, really well.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned, you're talking about the Tampa Bay game in the playoffs there where they, you know, he basically shut down, um, Chris Godwin. And, um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what, what, uh, year three of McQuaime would would mm-hmm. produce because yeah it was that was a surprise for us and uh, you know to to think of him being basically your DB number seven I um, mean yeah. it's just you know fantastic and uh, so you know so we know this this secondary is stacked there's talent up at the top there's some great depth here across both whoa
1: whoa whoa, whoa. before we move any further my friend we have to mention someone. Who is a fellow Oregon State Beaver? Do we not? No, we
2: don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you
1: know what? We, so, can't believe you. You have no. You have no love for your I, fellow Beaver. I talked. I
2: talked. I mentioned Neshon earlier when we were at the, <laughs> in, at the corners. And I Fair mean, enough. I okay. yeah. I mean, I would. I would love to root for him. And I tell you what. Uh, li-
1: literally, we've named almost every other guy in the secondary.
2: Hey, you know what? We got Brandon Cooks on the team now. So there's my Beaver, you know, fan. Oh, right there. So, uh,
1: good job. Good job. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. I apologize for interrupting. Please continue.
2: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I, uh, you know, t- sticking with the DBs that are going to make this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about this Cowboys depth, but before we do that, I want, I want to play a little game with you. I lo- I know that you love, this is your wheelhouse here. you love to, you love two things. You like to go back in time and, and, <laughs> and evaluate other, other teams, other groups, and you also like to compare. And uh, so, what we're going to do, you know, the old card game. Uh, you know, I mentioned cards earlier. You know, you know the old card game, uh, war. You know, where you oh sure you,
1: yeah yeah uh-huh. you try
2: to outdo each other. So what I want to do is I want to go down. We're going to go six. We got six cards here, and we're going to go through cornerback one, two, three, and safety one, two, three, and I want to compare this team to another group here and i want you to tell you're going to pick that group you're going to stack your own deck so you tell me which which secondary group from whatever in the last let's go the last 30 years well so you no know, we'll keep it 30 years okay tell me last 30 years you you pick a group I pick a pick a year and I, we're gonna we're gonna identify those players and then we're gonna play a little game of war and just see uh, you know just see how this this team current team uh stacks up okay um
1: well, let me give you a couple of my honorable mentions first, because as you said, you know, I I do love I am I am a uh, a Cowboys historian, and I love going back and and looking at at, at you know things of things for about players that sometimes we forget. You know, it's always kind of fun to go back and say, oh yeah, that, that year you got a lot of interceptions. Or, oh well, wow, you really had a great year that year, according to certain metrics and that kind of thing. Because we you know we do we do tend to lose sight of of things in the in the distant past. Um. So in in order in ascending order. Um, a year that I thought was a really, really good secondary, even though it wasn't a particularly good Cowboys team was 1996. And it was really just about the starting four. And one of the reasons why that team wasn't good is they drafted horribly for like a couple of years ahead of of them, lost some guys from free agency for a couple straight years. So they lost a lot of depth, but the starting four was still, I think the best in the league at that time. And I think a lot of, a lot of other pundits felt the same way. And when you had Deion Sanders and Kevin Smith, As your corners, you had Pup and Neon as your corners. You had Darren Woodson at the height of his power as your strong safety, and you had a very underrated guy, Brock Marion, who had really developed, you know, from a special teamer to a very, very solid free safety as your free safety. Um, But like I said, they didn't have much else, so that so that group doesn't make the the top two. The next one up is is a group that. I think we forget how good this team played and this secondary group in particular played at the end of 2009 when they, sh- they, 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 you know, went to new Orleans and shut down the saints for most of the game. And then they, they shut out, uh, the, uh, Washington team. Um, and then they really shut down the Eagles in the last game of the year. And then, and then of course in the first playoff game, um, that was a good defense all the way around, but that secondary, I really liked a lot. So the starting corners were Terrence Newman and Mike Jenkins. The uh, nickel corner was Orlando Scandrick. So the three good corners, but also all really well-placed their safeties. Not so much. They had Gerald Sensabaugh, they had Ken Hamlin. Um, Alan Ball was a kind of like rotational guy, played a little safety, played a little corner. So I have to say that was the top six of that group because the safeties weren't better. And also notice none of them were in-house guys. They, they were, they were, having to dabble in free agency because they still weren't drafting very well yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they weren't, they don't make my top, uh, you know, top of my list because the safeties are a little weak. So of course the team at the top of my list, and I'm glad you went back 30 years because it allowed me to choose this team instead of the 2009 team for the basis of our comparison is the 1993 squad. This is of course before Dion got there, but I think there's still a lot of depth there uh, and a lot of young talent. So the corners, Kevin Smith, who was in his second year, Larry Brown in his third year. Darren Woodson was this, this just ascended to the strong safety position in his second year. Thomas Everett was the free safety, but he also like James Washington, who was a really good free safety, got a lot of play. they did a lot of three, you know three safety looks and and they were also bolstered by a rookie Brock Marion, Kenny Gant, and the veteran Bill Bates. That was a deep, deep group so that's my that's and i'm glad he went back 30 years because that's really like that's the first year i could have picked so i that's the group i'm going to submit for our game of war
2: that is a great group i did not realize just how deep that i think thomas heffert was was one of those underrated free agent signings. very
1: much i he he would have been he would have got a lot more play if it wasn't for the fact that you know they had so many other young cats he was really only here for a couple years because james washington was so good james washington was so good in that second super bowl against the bills and Darren Woodson was, you know, just everything you could ask for. Yeah. And so Thomas Everett became kind of expendable. He was good. He was an all-pro caliber safety. You know what's interesting about these, my friend, is that um, there's a sort of, you know, gap in years that really shows the way the league changed. So if we look at 1993 and 1996, which were two of the years I chose, there's not really a nickel or third corner to speak of. But by the time we get to 2009, because of the way the league has changed, you have to have three corners and the nickel is considered a de facto starter. So Orlando mm-hmm. Skandrick third corner, but very much a starter logged a lot of snaps. Right. So, um, and I think that that's interesting also because of what's going to happen. When we look at this, this group in 1993, that I think is the strongest group, but doesn't have a third corner. So we've got Kevin Smith as, as a pup as corner one, Larry Brown as corner two. I think that, um, We'll get back to this next position, but if we look at the safeties, it's pretty clear. Darren Woodson in his second year, ascendant player as as, as safety one, very close between Thomas Everett and James Washington. I'll put Everett two and Washington three, but only because the coaches did. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves us with who is the person who will play the sort of like nickel or just the sixth DB here. A, a couple of years earlier, I would have chosen Kenny Gantt. If you remember, they used to do this sort of small nickel where they would actually have Darren Woodson and Kenny Gant as the linebackers with Ken Norton in the middle. They did that a lot in 1992. By the time 93 came around, they weren't doing that as much because they uh, had Kenny Gant had been exposed as a liability in coverage. So I'm going to pick... Oh, it's tough. I'm going to pick as their next best defensive back uh, the rookie who still hadn't done much yet. It was, was extremely you know right at that point, almost exclusively a special teamer, but would be great later
2: and then in Brock Marion. Okay, so we're gonna put Brock Marion as our nickel there. So I think um, we're gonna to have to, yeah. And remember, we're talking about rookie Brock Marion too. So we sure are, it's very important. So, okay, so we got our cards shuffled up, we're ready to go. Um, okay, starting with cornerback one, you got your guy, Kevin Smith versus my guy Trayvon Diggs. Who's winning that war?
1: So this is pre injury this is pre-injury Kevin this Smith is, who isn't this is
2: nineteen yeah, nineteen ninety three Kevin Smith. Right.
1: Yeah. So a couple of years before he, he hurt himself and it was never really quite the same later. So I, I'm gonna say we forget how good he was because they, they later had Dion and the team was just so good in general but he was really good. I think just to make this a little spicy, I'm going to take Kevin Smith.
2: Okay, now I, I will will also tell you that you don't have to pick one card higher than the other. You, if if you find that two guys are the same, you I mean that that happens sometimes in this game, you know, and then,
1: Yeah, uh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So no, you, I am going to pick Kevin Smith. Okay. I think so. he's a, I think he was a, he was a really good player uh, cocky player, all pro caliber player, um, consistent, more consistent player than Trayvon thinks.
2: I think that you pointed out just how I think people, the listeners may be like not agreeing right now with this choice, but I think what you did is you pointed out just, just how really good Kevin Smith was. And the people shouldn't forget that because mm-hmm. he was. And, um, so I don't, I'm not going to, it's not something I'm going to dispute. I, think they're really close and i do think that I, I think i think you made a good choice so all right you got you win that one you may have won the battle but the war is not over okay so here we go cb2 um you're throwing larry brown super bowl mvp larry brown was it i think so uh one, at one point uh um, you sure was yeah and, and, yeah yeah that's and, uh, what i got and i'm going with uh stefan gilmore so yeah it's no
1: contest it's, it's gilmore no contest. It's not, it's, there's no there's no there's no debate no debate larry brown was a nice player who outplayed his draft status. Uh, he's not a borderline Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, no, I yeah, yeah, totally agree. I think that is an easy choice for sure. So that moves us to our nickel corner. Um, and I, I got Durham Bland, and you're going with the, the rookie Brock Marion. So who takes that one down? This is
1: actually close. This actually might be a little closer than we think, but I think just because of the way that You know that these particular defensive backfields are structured. um, You got to go with Bland.
2: I think you do. I think I got five reasons why I would go with that, and that's each of his interceptions last year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Bland is the easy choice. You you did point out that Brock Marion, you know, he turned into a, a really good player in the secondary for the Cowboys, too. So that's...
1: I think if we're talking 95 Brock Marion, then I think we might even... Have, I think I, I'd probably be leaning toward Marion. But yeah. 93 Brock Marion, it's bland.
2: Right. And then and we are comparing this specific unit just so we can get a good... That's right. You know, good one-year window comparison here. So now we're moving on to the safety spot. And we're going to go with strong safety. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to go with my guy as a starting strong safety, which is J. Ron Kurse, up against... Okay. Your guy, which is that guy, Darren Woodson, fell out, so. Not even
1: close. It, it, it's it's not even remotely close. I think it might even be more of a gap than we have between uh, Larry Brown and Stephon Gilmore.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, Darren Woodson's fantastic. So uh, I I love me some Jaron Curse, but I mean, you're talking about a, you know,
1: we're talking about the best defensive back in Cowboys history, yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, so easy choice there. So you get Woodson. So. Um a little little bit more challenging here, so we're gonna go to move to the free safety spot, which is um we got Thomas Everett from the 93 squad versus what you call the best safety on the Cowboys right now. Free safety Malik Hooker. So who's taking that one down? So
1: this the thing that's interesting about this is like both these guys are kind of underrated in their on their particular units. And we talked about that you know, when we talked about both of them here today. Um, I'm going to take...
2: I'm going to take Hooker, but it's very close. I was sweating that. Honestly, it could have gone either way, I thought. uh, Because, I mean, 93, remember this, you know, this is the guy that is putting james washington to the bench i mean yeah not
1: only that he's putting james washington to the bench but you remember the nfc championship game uh against the 49ers the rematch uh where they played it in dallas this year the big play uh, one of the biggest plays anyway as they began to pile on the 49ers in the second quarter and build that 28-7 halftime lead was uh, a pass that bounced off somebody's hands and right into Thomas Everett. He returned it like in, with it inside the 20, and that that, you know, that really opened the floodgates. So he made the big play that opened the floodgates and basically decided that game.
2: Yeah, and I, if I'm looking at uh, the, looking at my uh, roster correctly, they got a little asterisk by him in pro football. Reference, I mean, you know, that that's a Pro Bowl season for Thomas Everett. So, yep, he's uh, so a Pro I mean, Bowler that you mm-hmm. You're not going to be wrong if you were to went the other way, too. So, I'll I tell you
1: why I went that way. Uh, you're going to find out in a second why I went that way.
2: Okay. Well, the second's happening now. So, we're the last card we have. And this, honestly, this is a really good battle, which uh, we got James Washington in, uh, versus Donovan Wilson. So, tell Rap, yeah. you picked the winner there. I'm,
1: I, I'm picking James Washington. And I think that. You know, James Washington was. I, I think if he wasn't as good as Thomas Everett, he was just a tick behind. And we cannot forget that the week after Thomas Everett, or maybe two weeks after uh, Thomas Everett made that play, James Washington essentially won the Super Bowl. He should have been the MVP of Super Bowl twenty-eight. He, if you just for for you youngsters or anybody anybody who's forgotten, Cowboys uh, offense was was. Off its rhythm, Troy Aikman was still suffering from the concussion he, he suffered against the 49ers. The passing game didn't give them much of anything that whole game. They they come out of halftime down seven, and the Bills have the ball, and Leon Letts strips um, uh, Thurman Thomas, and James Washington picks it up and weaves in and out and makes a great great play and scores a touchdown. And a little bit later, he, he picks off Jim Kelly, returns it inside the Bills, 30, another easy touchdown. So the Cowboys had, you know, that awesome drive where Emmett Smith, you know, ran and ran and ran. But that happened after the momentum swung with James Washington's play. James Washington actually made a play. I think he fumble, either either caused a fumble or create, or f- recovered a fumble in the first half to keep it close. So I know Emmett was the MVP of that game. But James Washington and they, they've even both said it afterwards deserved to be the MVP of the game. He was incredible. Yeah, I I think that um, I mean, in some ways I chose Everett because I thought I wanted to change to choose James Washington. I could have gone either way. I mean, honestly, if you wanted to pick, or rather rather I chose um I chose Malik Hooker. If you want to go Everett and uh, Dono, I'm happy there too. But I think that. I think part of this is just I think we all need to be given a little bit more love to James Washington for the way he played, even if he wasn't the quote unquote starter.
2: Yeah, and I, really, what I take out of this is I mean, you picked a really good group. I mean, that is a really good safety group, a good secondary group for that team, a Super Bowl winning team, mind you. And um, and I think what you look at there is you know you, when you took a like a player like Darren Woodson and you take a player like Stephon Gilmore, I think that you can point to the '93 team was stronger in the safety overall and but i think that the current team you know 30 years later um is stronger in um the cornerback spots
1: I, I agree 100% and i think that this is i'd like to ask you a follow up question now given that it's interesting if you look at like position group strength over the over the history of the cowboys one of the weakest positions consistently there've been a few players but one of the weakest positions consistently has been cornerback There's been a lot of years where they had great safeties, great pass rush, you know, one, all pro linebacker. And then a couple of very, you know, Mark Washington or somebody like that at at corner, Benny Barnes, you know, I, I think that it may be the weakest position across the length of Cowboys history. They've had some great ones, but they, but they've, there've been lots of, lots of groups that weren't that inspiring. And I would like to, to pose this to you is this the best group of potentially at least the best group of cowboy cornerbacks in their history
2: potentially i mean i think that well we're not going back to the 80s when you're talking about Thurman walls and downs and and that group too so i mean i'd have to look at that closer before we really make a decision there but i really think that this is a really strong you, you you talk about you know, one of the worst positions too, and I think a lot of the reason you say that too is because cornerbacks, you know, they get being they get beat up. You're, you're you're always relying on your depth unless you're very fortunate. So you're always being exposed when you get to DB number five, DB number six, and stuff. So, you know, and there's been some really um, atrocious players that the Cowboys have had to throw out there to, to you know, to, to cover guys. And I think don't think you see any of that here. I think that. You're just looking at a very mm-hmm. strong group. I mean, when we're talking about Duran Bland as your worst corner for your starters and, you know, and we can't even really decide on our, who's the worst cor- starting you know, safety of the, that group. So I, I think this is a really strong group. And I, I mean, I think this is a really strong secondary as a whole too. And I think it it can rival some of the s- strongest secondaries that this organization has ever had. So that's why I wanted to play this game and uh, just, and, and I, yeah, I, no, I, I feel even even stronger about about this group going in. And, of course, and you hit the nail on the head, too. What makes a good secondary is that pass rush. Well, the Cowboys got that, too. So, I mean, whether this cornerback group or the secondary group is, is as good as we think it is, it may look even better when you start, you know, having the, the pass rushers um, coming at you like that. But that is it for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog and Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, what's your favorite uh, secondary or, you know, what, what would you like to go back in time in, in if you could choose a different profession? So let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFantom24. And Rabs is at RabbleRouser spelled R-E-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check it out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later.
1: Last dismissed. Next meeting the International Conference of Cowboysology in Oxnard, California.